0: Act One of Engaged by W.S. Gilbert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae.
1: Cheviot Hill. A Young Man of Property. Read by Matthew Rees.
0: Belvane, His
1: Friend.
2: Read by Jeff Butterfield. Mr. Simpson. Read by Alan Mapstone. Angus McAllister, a lowland peasant lad. Read by Todd. Major
3: McGillicuddy, read by Craig Franklin.
4: Belinda Treherne, read by emmy Minnie, Simperson's daughter. Read by Jen broda
5: Mrs. McFarlane, a
6: lowland widow. Read by Sonya, Maggie. Her daughter, a lowland Lassie read by Kristen Hand Parker, Minnie's Maid, read by Lydia
0: Stage Directions read by Michael Maggs Act one Garden of a Cottage near Gretna on the border between England and Scotland Acts two and three Drawing Room in Simperson's House in London three months interval is supposed to elapse between acts 1 and 2 three days interval is supposed to elapse between acts 2 and 3 engaged act 1 scene garden of a humble but picturesque cottage near Gretna on the border between england and scotland the whole scene is suggestive of rustic prosperity and content. Maggie MacFarlane, a pretty country girl, is discovered spinning at a wheel and singing as she spins. Angus MacAllister, a good-looking peasant lad, appears on at back, and creeps softly down to Maggie as she sings and spins, and places his hands over her eyes.
6: Why is it? Oh Angus, ye frighten me say
0: He releases her
6: And see there, the flax is a knotted and scribbled, and I'll do naything with it
2: Meg my Meg My ain Bonnie Meg
6: Angus, why lad, what's rang with thee? Thou hast teardrops in thy bonny blue
2: een I heed of Meg It comes fra glowering at thy bright beauty glowerin at thee is like glowin at the noonday sun, Angus thou'rt talkin foolishly,
6: I'm but a pure brown hillside lassie. I dinna like to hear sick things from a straight, honest lad like thee. It's the way the dandy town folks speak to me, and it does name come rightly from the lips of a simple man.
2: Forgive me, Meg, for I speak honestly to ye, Angus Macallister is not the man to deal in squeamin compliments meg i love thee dearly as thou well knowest i'm but a poor lad and i've little but two bra arms and a straight hair to live by but i've saved a wee bit siller i've a bra housey and a scrappy a good garden land and it's all for thee lassie if thou'll give me thy true and tender little heart. angus i'll be fair and straight
6: with thee. Thou askest me for my heart. Why, Angus, thou art tall and fair and brave. Thou'st a good, honest face and a good, honest heart, which is mere precious than all the gold in earth. No man has a word to say against Angus MacAllister. no, nor any woman neither. Thou hast strong arms to work wi' and a strong hair to help thee work. And way am I that I should say that uh, these blessings are not enough for me. If thou good brave honest man will be troubled with sick a pure little humble mousie as maggie mcfarlane why she'll just be the proudest and happiest lassie in a dumfries
2: my ain darlin
0: they embrace enter mrs MacFarlane from cottage
2: why angus maggie what's o dis mistress mcfarlane dinna be fashed with me dinna think worse o me than i deserve i've loved your lass honestly these fifteen years but i never plucked up the head to tell her so till new and when she answered fairly it was in human nature to do aught else but hold her to my hat and place one kiss on her bonny cheek angus
5: say no mair my heart is sair at losing my only bairn but i'm nae fashed with thee thou art a good lad and it's been the hope of my widowed old heart to see you twain one. Thou'll treat her kindly, I ken that weel. Thou art a prosperous kirk-going man, and my mag should be a happy lass indeed. Bless thee, Angus, bless thee.
0: Angus wiping his eyes.
2: Dinna heed the water in my e. It will come when I'm o'er glad. Yes, I'm a fairly prosperous man. What with farming a bit land and gillying odd times and a bit of poaching now and again and what with my illicit whisky still and throwing trains off the line that the poor distracted passengers may come to my cart, I've mere ways than one of making a honest living and I'll work them a nick and day for my bonny Meg. Chicken, Angus i sometimes think that thou art losing
5: some of thine old skill at upsetting railway trains thou hast not done sich a thing these six weeks and the cottage stands saleh in need of sich chance custom
6: as the poor delayed passengers may bring nay mither thou rangest him even new this very day has he not placed twa bonnie bra sleepers across the up-line ready for the express from glaski which is due in twa minutes or so good lad good thoughtful lad but i hope the
5: unfortunate passengers will not be much hurt poor unconscious bodies
2: fear not either. lang experience has taught me to do my work deftly the train will run off the line and the traffic will just be blocked for half a day but i'll warrant ye that with all this nae woman or child among em will get sae so much as a bruised head or a broken nose
6: my ain tender-hearted angus he wadna hurt sae so much as a blatherin buzzin bluebottle flea
2: nay meg not if taken care and thought could help the poor dumb thing
0: wiping his eyes
2: there see lass looking off the train's at a standstill and there's nae harm done i'll just go and tell the poor distraught passengers that they may rest them here in thy cot Gin they will, till the line is cleared again. A mither, get thy rooms ready, and put bruise in the pot, or maybe they'll be hungry, poor souls. Farewell, Meg. I'll be back ere eh, lang, and if I don't bring ye a full half dozen of well paying passengers, thou mayest just wed the red headed excise man.
0: Exit Angus.
6: Oh Mither, Mither, I'm o'er happy I've nay deserved sick a good fortune as to be the wife o' yon brave and honest lad
5: Mag than old Mither's hair to at the thought o' losing ye for hitherto she's just been a wall to thee, but now thou'lt cleave to thine Angus, and thou'lt learn to love him better than thy poor old mither But it
6: won't be it won't be. Nay, Mither, say not that a good girl loves her husband with one love and her mither with another they are not alike but neither is greater nor less than the other and they dwell together in peace and unity that is how a good girl loves and thou art a good girl Meg. i am a very good girl indeed mother. a very very good girl i'm
5: rich really sure of that well the belated passengers will be here directly and it is our duty to provide for them such poor hospitality as our humble roof will afford it shall never be said, of Jane McFarlane, that she ever turned the weary traveller fainting from her door. My ain gentle-hearted
6: mither,
0: Exeunt together into cottage. Enter Angus with Belvorney and Mr. Hearn. She is in travelling costume, and both are much agitated and alarmed.
2: Step in, sir. Step in and sit you down for a wee. I'll just send Mistress MacFarlane to ye. She's a good old body, and will see to your comforts as if she was your ain mither.
7: Thank you, my worthy lad, for your kindness at this trying moment. I assure you, we shall not forget it.
2: Why, ah, sir, wouldn't any man do as muckle? A dry shelter, a, a bannock, and a pan of parish is all we can offer ye. But sick as it is, ye're heartily welcome.
0: It is well. We thank you.
2: For why wouldn't it help the unfortunate?
0: Belvorne occupied with Miss Traherne. Exactly, every one would.
2: Or feed the hungry. No doubt. It just brings a tear drop to my ead. Think.
7: Belvorne leading him off. My friend, we would be alone. This maiden and I. Farewell. Exit Angus into cottage. Belinda, my own, my life, compose yourself. It was in truth a weird and gruesome accident. The line is blocked, your parasol is broken, and your butterscotch trampled in the dust, but-no serious harm is done. Come, be cheerful, we are safe, quite safe,
4: safe, ah, oh, Belvany, my own own Belvany. This I fear no safety for us, so long as we are liable to be overtaken by the fearful major to whom i was to have been married this morning
7: major mcgillicuddy i confess i do not feel comfortable when i think of major mcgillicuddy
4: you know his barbaric nature and how madly jealous he is if he should find that i have eloped with you he will most surely shoot us both
7: it is an uneasy prospect suddenly belinda do you love me
4: with an impetuous passion that i shall carry with me to the tomb
7: then be mine to-morrow we are not far from gretna and the thing can be done without delay once married the arm of the law will protect us from this fearful man and we can defy him to do his worst
4: Belvane, all this is quite true i love you madly passionately i care to live but in your heart i breathe but for your love yet before i actually consent to take the irrevocable step that will place me on the pinnacle of my fondest hopes You must give me some definite idea of your pecuniary position. I am not mercenary, heaven knows, but business is business, and I confess I should like a little definite information about the settlements.
7: I often think that it is deeply to be deplored that these grovelling questions of money should alloy the tenderest and most hallowed sentiments that inspire our imperfect natures.
4: It is unfortunate, no doubt, but at the same time it is absolutely necessary
7: belinda i will be frank with you my income is a thousand pounds a year which i hold on certain conditions you know my friend chevoy hill who is travelling to london in the same train with us but in the third class
4: i believe i know the man you mean
7: chevoy who is a young man of large property but extremely close-fisted is cursed with a strangely amatory disposition as you will admit when i tell you that he has contracted a habit of proposing marriage as a matter of course to every woman he meets his haughty father who comes of a very old family the chevoy hills had settled in this part of the world centuries before the conquest is compelled by his health to reside in madeira Knowing that I exercise an all but supernatural influence over his son, and fearing that his affectionate disposition would lead him to contract an undesirable marriage, the old gentleman allows me a thousand pounds a year, so long as chavoy shall live single, but at his death or marriage, the money goes over to chavoy's uncle Simperson, who is now travelling to town with him.
4: Then, so long as your influence over him lasts, so long only will you retain your income
7: that is i am sorry
0: to say the state of the case mr Hern, after a pause
4: belveni i love you with an imperishable ardour which mocks the power of words if i were to begin to tell you now of the force of my indomitable passion for you the tomb would close over me before i could exhaust the entrancing subject but as i said before business is business and unless i can see some distinct probability that your income will be permanent i shall have no alternative but to weep my heart out in all the anguish of maiden solitude uncared for unloved and alone
0: exit miss treherne into cottage
7: there goes a noble-hearted girl indeed oh for the gift of Sheboy's airy badnage oh for his skill in weaving a net about the hearts of women if i could but induce her to marry me at once before the dreadful major learns our flight why not we are in scotland methinks i've heard two loving hearts can wed in this strange country by merely making declaration to that effect i will think out some cunning scheme to lure her into marriage
0: unawares enter maggie from cottage
6: will you walk in and rest a wee maister belvani There's a room ready for ye, kind sir, and you're heartily welcome to it.
7: It is well. Stop. Come hither, maiden.
6: Oh, sir, you do not mean any harm towards a pure, innocent, unprotected cottage lassie.
7: Harm? No, of course I don't. What do you mean?
6: I'm but a pure, humble mountain girl. But let me tell you, sir, that my character's just as dear to me as the richest and proudest ladies in the land. Before I consent to approach ye, swear to me that you mean me no harm. Harm? Of course I don't.
7: Don't be a little fool. Come here.
6: There is something in his manner that reassures me. It is not that of the airy trifler with innocent herits. Allard. What would you, a pure, harmless Mattie MacFarlane, good sir?
7: Can you tell me what constitutes a Scotch marriage?
6: Oh, sir, it's nay use askin' me that. For my heart is not my ain to give. I'm betrothed to the best and noblest lad in a the body borderland. Oh, sir, I cannot be your bride.
7: My girl, you you mistake. I do not want you for my bride. Can't you answer a simple question? What constitutes a Scotch marriage?
6: You've just to say before twa witnesses, Maggie MacFarlane is my wife. And I've just to say, Maister Belvaney is my husband, and nae can set asunder. But, sir, I canna be your bride, for I am betrothed to the best and noblest.
7: I congratulate you. You can go. Yes, sir. Exit Maggie into cottage. It is a simple process, simple, but yet how beautiful. One thing is certain. Chevoy may marry any day, despite my precautions, and then I shall be penniless. He may die, and equally i shall be penniless belinda has five hundred pounds a year it's not
0: much but it would at least save me from
7: starvation
0: exit Belvorney. enter simperson and cheviot hill over bridge they both show signs of damage their hats are beaten in and their clothes disordered through the accident
1: well here we are at last yes WE ARE HERE AT LAST, IN A PRETTY STATE I'M IN, TO BE SURE.
8: MY DEAR NEPHEW, YOU WOULD TRAVEL THIRD CLASS, AND THIS IS THE CONSEQUENCE. AFTER ALL, THERE'S NOT MUCH HARM DONE.
1: NOT MUCH HARM? WHAT DO YOU CALL THAT? SHOWING HIS HUT. TEN AND ninepence AT ONE OPERATION. MY GLOVES SPLIT, ONE AND FOUR. MY COAT RUINED, EIGHTEEN AND SIX it's a coarse and brutal nature that recognizes no harm that don't involve a loss of blood i'm reduced by this accident from a thinking feeling reflecting human being to a moral pulp a mash a poultice damn sir that's what i am i'm a poultice
8: cheviot my dear boy at the moment of the accident you were speaking to me on a very interesting subject
1: was i i forget what it was the accident has knocked it clean out of my head
8: you were saying that you were a man of good position and fortune that you derived two thousand pounds a year from your bank that you thought it was time you settled you then reminded me that i should come into Balvorney's thousand pounds a year on your marriage and i'm not sure but, I rather think you mentioned casually that my daughter, Minnie, is an angel of light,
1: true, and just then we went off the line to resume, Uncle Simperson, Your daughter, Minnie, is an angel of light, a perfect being as innocent as a new-laid egg.
8: Minnie is indeed all that you have described her,
1: Uncle. I'm a man of few words. I feel and I speak. I love that girl madly, passionately, irresistibly. She is my whole life, my whole soul and body, my past, my present, and my to come. I have thought for none but her. She fills my mind, sleeping and waking. She is the essence of every hope, the tree upon which the fruit of my heart is growing, my own to come.
0: Simperson, who has sunk overpowered onto stool during this speech,
1: Cheviot, my dear
8: boy excuse a father's tears i won't beat about the bush you have anticipated my devoutest wish cheviot my dear boy take her she is yours
1: i have often heard of rapture but i never knew what it was till now uncle simperson bearing in mind the fact that your income will date from the day of the wedding when may this be
8: my boy the sooner the better delicacy would prompt me to give belvoni a reasonable notice of the impending loss of his income but should i for such a mere selfish reason as that rob my child of one hour of the happiness that you are about to confer on her no my duty to my child is
1: paramount on one condition however i must insist this must be kept from belvani's knowledge you know the strange mysterious influence that his dreadful eyes exercise over me
8: i have remarked it with astonishment
1: they are much inflamed just now and he has to wear green spectacles while this lasts i am a free agent but under treatment they may recover in that case if he knew that i contemplated matrimony he would use them to prevent my doing so and i cannot resist them i cannot resist them therefore i say until i am safely and securely tied up belvani must know nothing about it
8: trust me cheviot he shall know nothing about it from me Aside a thousand a year i have endeavoured but in vain to woo fortune for fifty-six years but she smiles upon me at last she smiles upon me at last
0: exit Simpson into cottage
1: at length my hopes are to be crowned o my own my own the hope of my heart my love my life. Enter
0: Belvorney, who has overheard these words. Chavoy, whom are you
7: apostrophizing in those terms? You've been at it again, I see.
1: Belvawney, that apostrophe was private. I decline to admit you to my confidence.
7: Chavoy, what is the reason of this strange tone of defiance? A week ago I had but to express a wish to have it obeyed as
1: a matter of course. Belvani, it may not be denied that there was a time when, owing to the remarkable influence exercised over me by your extraordinary eyes, you could do with me as you would. It would be affectation to deny it. Your eyes withered my will, they paralyzed my volition. They were strange and lurid eyes, and I bowed to them. Those eyes were my fate, my destiny, my unerring must, my inevitable shall. That time has gone." forever
7: alas for the days that are past and the good that came and went with them
1: weep for them if you will i cannot weep with you for i loved them not but as you say they are past the light that lit up those eyes is extinct their fire has died out their soul has fled they are no longer eyes they are poached eggs i have not yet sunk so low as to be the slave of two poached eggs
7: have mercy if any girl has succeeded in enslaving you and i know how easily you are enslaved dismiss her from your thoughts have no more to say to her and i will yes i will bless you with my latest breath
1: whether a blessing conferred with one's latest breath is a superior article to one conferred in robust health we need not stop to inquire i decline as i said before to admit you to my confidence on any terms whatever be gone
0: exit belvoni
1: dismiss from my thoughts the only woman i ever loved have no more to say to the tree upon which the fruit of my heart is growing no Belvani, i cannot cut off my tree as if it were gas or water i do not treat women like that some men do but i don't i am not that sort of man i respect women i love women they are good they are pure they are beautiful at least many of them are enter
0: maggie from cottage he is much fascinated
1: this one for example is very beautiful indeed
0: if you'll just
6: walk in sir you'll find a bannock and a pan of parritch waiting for you on the table
1: this is one of the loveliest women i ever met in the whole course of my life
0: maggie aside
6: what's he glowering at aloud oh sir YOU MEAN NO HARM TO THE POOR LOWLAND, LASSIE.
1: PARDON ME. IT'S VERY FOOLISH. I CAN'T ACCOUNT FOR IT. BUT I AM ARRESTED, FASCINATED. OH, GOOD,
6: SIR. WHAT'S FASCINATED YE?
1: I DON'T KNOW. THERE IS SOMETHING ABOUT YOU THAT EXERCISES A MOST REMARKABLE INFLUENCE OVER ME. IT SEEMS TO WEAVE A KIND OF ENCHANTMENT AROUND ME. I CAN'T THINK WHAT IT IS. YOU ARE A GOOD GIRL, I AM SURE. NONE BUT A GOOD GIRL COULD SO POWERFULLY AFFECT ME. You are a good girl are you not
6: I am a very good girl indeed sir
0: I was quite sure of it gets his arm round her
1: waist
6: I am a much better girl than 19 out of 20 in these parts and they are all good girls too
1: my darling kisses her
6: oh kind sir what's that for
1: it is your reward for being a good girl
6: oh sir i did not look for such a recompense You are very, very kind to pure little Maggie McFarlane.
1: I cannot think what it is about you that fascinates me so remarkably.
6: Maybe it's my beauty.
1: Maybe it is. It is quite possible that it may be, as you say, your beauty.
6: I am remarkably pretty, and I have a very neat figure.
1: There is a natural modesty in this guileless appreciation of your own perfection that is, to me, infinitely more charming than the affected ignorance of an artificial town-bred beauty
6: oh sir can i close my e'en to the picture that my looking-glass holds up to me twenty times a day we see the rose on the tree and we say that it is fair we see the silver moon sailing in the braw blue heavens and we say that she is bright we see the brawling stream purling over the small stains in the burn and we say that it is beautiful and shall we close our e'en to the fairest of nature's works a pure and beautiful woman why sir it would just be base ingratitude No. It's best to tell the truth about a things. I am a vera, vera beautiful girl.
1: Maggie McFarlane, I'm a plain, blunt, straightforward man, and I come quickly to the point. I see more to love in you than I ever saw in any woman in all my life before. I have a large income, which I do not spend recklessly. I love you passionately. You are the essence of every hope. You are the tree upon which the fruit of my heart is growing, my past, my present my future. You are my own to come. Tell me, will you be mine? Will you join your life with mine?" to Angus, who listens.
6: Ah, kind sir, I'm sorely grieved to wound, say true, and tender a love as yours. But you're o'er late. My love is name my ain to give ye. It's given o'er to the best and bravest lad, in the bonny borderland.
1: Give me his address, that I may go and curse him. Mikey
0: kneels to hill
6: Ah you must not curse him oh spare him spare him for he is good and brave and he loves me oh say dearly and i love him oh say dearly too oh sir kind sir have mercy on him and do not do not curse him or i shall die
0: throwing herself at his feet
1: will you or will you not oblige me by telling me where he is that i may at once go and curse him
0: angus coming forward
2: he is here sir but dinna you no waste your curses on me maggie my ben
0: raising her
2: i heard the answer ye gave to this man my true and gentle lassie ye spake well and bravely meg well and bravely dinna he heed the water in my ee it's a tear of joy and gratitude meg a tear of joy and gratitude
1: Cheviot Touched. Poor fellow. I will not curse him. Aloud, Young man, I respect your honest emotion. I don't want to distress you, but I cannot help loving this most charming girl. Come, is it reasonable to quarrel with a man because he's of the same way of thinking as yourself?
2: Nay, sir, I'm nay feshed. But it just seems to dry all the blood back in my heart when I think that my Meg is loved by anither oh sir she's a fair and winsome lassie and i micht as jostly be angry wi ye for lovin the blue heavens she's just as far above us as they are
0: wiping his
1: eyes and kissing her cheviot with decision pardon me sir i cannot allow that eh i love that girl madly passionately and i cannot possibly allow you to do that not before my eyes i beg you simply torture me maggie to angus
6: leave off dear till the pure gentleman's gone and then you can begin
1: again angus listen to me you love this girl
2: i love her sir almost as well as i love myself
1: then reflect how you are standing in the way of her prosperity i am a rich man i have money position and education. I am a much more intellectual and generally agreeable companion for her than you can ever hope to be. I am full of anecdote, and all my anecdotes are in the best possible taste. I will tell you some of them some of these days, and you can judge for yourself. Maggie, if she married me, would live in a nice house, in a good square. She would have wine, occasionally. She would be kept beautifully clean." now if you really love this girl almost as well as you love yourself are you doing wisely or kindly in standing in the way of her getting all these good things as to compensation why i've had heavy expenses of late but if yes if thirty shillings sir
2: i'm poor in pocket but i've a rich hat it is rich in a pure and overflowing love and he that hath love hath all ye canna ken what true love is or ye not dare to insult a pure honest lad by offering to buy his treasure for
1: money
0: cheviot retires up
6: my ain true
1: darling
0: they embrace
1: now i'll not have it understand me i'll not have it it's simple agony to me angus i respect your indignation but you are too hasty i do not offer to buy your treasure for money you love her it will naturally cause you pain to part with her and i prescribe thirty shillings not as a cure but as a temporary solace if thirty shillings is not enough why i don't mind making it two pounds
2: nay sir it's useless and we can it weel do we not my brave lassie our heads are one as our bodies will be some day and the man is nae born and the gold is nay coined that can set us twain asunder
6: angus dear i'm verra proud o so staunch and true a love it's like your ain true self and i can say nay more for it than that but dinna act without prudence and forethoughts dear in these hard times twa pound is twa pound and i'm nay sure that you're actin richly in refusing say large a sum i love you vera dearly you ken that right weel and if ye'll be troubled with sick a poor little mousie, i'll make ye a true and lovin wife but i doubt whether without my love i'll ever be worth as much to you as twa pound Dinna act in haste dear take time to think before you refuse this kind gentleman's offer
2: oh sir is not this rare modesty could ye imagine it man your town bred fine ladies i think not meg it shall be as ye say I'll take the siller, but it'll be with a sare and a broken heart.
0: Cheviot gives Angus money.
2: Fare thee weel, my love, my childhood's, boyhood's, manhood's love. Ye're ganging from my head to another who'll gee thee mere of the good things in this world than I could ever gi thee, except love, and o' that my heart is full indeed. But it's e'er for the bast. Ye'll be happier with him, and twa pound is twa pound. Meg, make him a good wife, be true to him, and love him as ye loved me. Oh, Meg, my poor bruised hair tis well nigh like to break.
0: Exit into cottage in great agony. Maggie, looking wistfully after him,
6: Pure laddie, pure laddie, oh, I dinna ken till knew how weel he loved me,
1: Maggie. I'm almost sorry I. Poor lad, poor fellow, he has a generous heart. I am glad I did not curse him. Aside, this is weakness. Aloud, Maggie, my own, ever and for always, my own. We will be very happy, will we not?
6: Oh, sir, I dinna ken, but in truth, I hope so. Oh, sir, my happiness is in your hands. New, be kind to the pure cottage lassie who loves you. Say, weel, my heart is a uraine, and if ye forsake me, my lot will be a sair one indeed.
0: Exit, weeping, into cottage.
1: Poor little Lowland lassie, that's my idea of a wife. No ridiculous extravagance, no expensive tastes. Knows how to dress like a lady on five pounds a year. Ah, and does it too. No pretense there of being blind to her own beauties. She knows that she is beautiful, and scorns to lie about it. In that respect, she resembles Simpersons' dear daughter, Minnie. My darling Minnie. Looks at miniature. My own darling Minnie. Minnie is fair. Maggie is dark. Maggie loves me. That excellent and perfect country creature loves me. She is to be the light of my life, my own to come. In some respects, she is even prettier than Minnie my darling Minnie, Simperson's dear daughter, the tree upon which the fruit of my heart is growing, my past, my present and my future, my own to come. But this tendency to reverie is growing on me. I must shake it off. Enter Miss Trahanna. Heaven and earth, what a singularly lovely girl! A stranger!
4: Pardon me, I will withdraw.
1: A stranger, indeed. In one sense— inasmuch as he never had the happiness of meeting you before. But in that he has a heart that can sympathise with another's misfortune. He trusts he may claim to be regarded almost as a friend.
4: May I ask, sir, to what misfortunes you allude?
1: I, ah, do not know their precise nature, but that perception would indeed be dull, and that heart would be indeed flinty, that did not at once perceive that you are very, very unhappy. Accept, madam, my deepest and most respectful sympathy.'
4: "'You have guessed rightly, sir. "'I am indeed a most unhappy woman.'
1: "'I am delighted to hear it. Ah, I mean, I feel a pleasure, "'a melancholy and chastened pleasure, "'in reflecting that, "'if your distress is not of a pecuniary nature, "'it may perchance lay in my power "'to alleviate your sorrow.' "'Impossible,
4: sir, "'though I thank you for your respectful sympathy.'
1: How many women would forego twenty years of their lives to be as beautiful as yourself, little dreaming that extraordinary loveliness can coexist with the most poignant anguish of mind? But so, too often, we find it. Do we not, dear lady?
4: Sir, this tone of address from a complete stranger!
1: Nay, be not unreasonably severe upon an impassionable and impulsive man, whose tongue is but the too faithful herald of his heart we see the rose on the tree, and we say that it is fair. We see the bonny brooks purling over the smooth stains—I should say, stones—in the burn, and we say that it is beautiful. And shall we close our eyes to the fairest of nature's works, a pure and beautiful woman? Why, it would be base ingratitude indeed.
4: I cannot deny that there is much truth in the sentiments you so beautifully express. But I am unhappily too well aware that whatever advantages I may possess, personal beauty is not among their number.
1: How exquisitely modest is this chaste insensibility to your own singular loveliness? How infinitely more winning than the bold faced self appreciation of underbred country girls?
4: I am glad, sir, that you are pleased with my modesty. It has often been admired.
1: Pleased? I am more than pleased. That's a very weak word. I am enchanted. Madam, I am a man of quick impulse and energetic action. I feel and I speak. I cannot help it. Madam, be not surprised when I tell you that I cannot resist the conviction that you are the light of my future life, the essence of every hope, the tree upon which the fruit of my heart is growing, my past, my present, my future, my own to come. Do not extinguish that light. Do not disperse that essence. Do not blight that tree. I am well off, i'm a bachelor i'm thirty-two and i love you madam humbly truly trustfully patiently paralyzed with admiration i wait anxiously and yet hopefully for your reply
4: sir that heart would indeed be cold that did not feel grateful for so much earnest single-hearted devotion i am deeply grieved to have to say one word succors pain to one who expresses himself in such well-chosen terms of respectful esteem But alas, I have already yielded up my heart to one who, if I mistake not, is a dear personal friend of your own.
1: Am I to understand that you are the young lady of property whom Belvani hopes to marry?
4: I am, indeed, that unhappy woman.
1: And is it possible that you love him?
4: With a rapture that thrills every fibre of my heart, with a devotion that enthralls my very soul. But there's some difficulty about his settlements.
1: A difficulty I should think there was. Why, on my marrying, his entire income goes over to Simperson. I could reduce him to penury tomorrow. As it happens, I am engaged, I recollect, to Simperson's daughter, and if Belvani dares to interpose between you and me by George, I'll do it.
4: Oh spare him, sir. You say that you love me. Then for my sake, remain single forever. It is all I ask, it is not much. Promise me that you will never, never marry, and we will both bless you with our latest breath.
1: There seems to be a special importance attached to a blessing conferred with one's latest breath that I entirely fail to grasp. It seems to me to convey no definite advantage of any kind whatever. Cruel,
4: cruel man.
0: Enter Belvorney in great alarm. We are lost,
4: we are lost! What do you mean? who has lost you
7: major mcgillicuddy discovered your flight and followed in the next train the line is blocked through our accident and his train is pulled up within a few yards of our own he is now making his way to this very cottage what do you say to that
4: i agree with you we are lost
1: i disagree with you i should say you are found
7: this man is a reckless fire-eater he is jealous of me he will assuredly shoot us both if he sees us here together i am no coward but
0: i confess i am uneasy miss Travern to cheviot
4: oh sir you have a ready wit help us out of this difficulty and we will both bless you
1: with our latest breath that decides me madam remain here with me belvani withdraw
0: belvani retires
1: i will deal with this maniac alone All I ask is, that if I find it necessary to make a statement that is not consistent with strict truth, you, madam, will unhesitatingly endorse it?
4: I will stake my very existence on its veracity, whatever it may be.
1: Good. He is at hand. Belvani, go. Exit Belvani. Now, madam, repose upon my shoulders. Place your arms around me so. Is that comfortable? It is luxurious. Good.
4: You are sure it does not inconvenience you?
1: Not at all. Go back. I like it. Now we are ready for him.
0: Enter McGillicuddy, with two friends dressed as for a wedding, with white favours. McGillicuddy has pistols, all greatly excited.
3: Where is the villain? I'll swear he is concealed somewhere. Search every tree, every bush, every geranium. Ah, they are here perjured woman i've found you at last
0: Mister trahan to cheviot save me Balvorney appears at back listening
3: who is the unsightly scoundrel with whom you have flown the unpleasant-looking scamp whom you have dared to prefer to me uncurl yourself from around the plain villain at once unless you would share his fate
0: maggie and angus appear
1: from cottage
4: may just bear him
1: now sir perhaps you will be so good as to explain who the deuce you are and what you want with this lady
3: i don't know who you may be but i'm muck i am betrothed to this lady we were to have been married this morning i waited for her at the church from ten till four then I began to get impatient.
1: I really think you must be labouring under some delusion.
3: Delusion?
1: Ha <laughs> ha
0: The two friends produce large wedding cake.
1: Here's the cake. Still, I think there's a mistake somewhere. This lady is my wife. What? Belinda Oh
3: Belinda Tell me that this unattractive man lies. Tell me that you are mine, and only mine, now
4: and for ever. I cannot say that. This gentleman is my husband.
0: McGillicuddy falls sobbing on seat. Balvorney tears his hair in despair. Maggie sobs on Angus's shoulder. End of Act One